And this episode of the A-List Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, Ashra Blakely, with the co-host with the most, Kwani A. Lunas. What's going on, Kwani? I'm good. I'm waiting for this episode to be finished so I could go work out. Wait, work, work, work out what? At the gym. Workout. I'm at the gym. Wait, Shavada you mean like lifting weights and stretching and, and, and all? Mm-hmm. Cardio and everything. Kwani putting in that workout time. Okay. Okay. Oh, my God. Kwani trying to get that summer. Trying to, is, is, this, is this for summer 22? The winter spring body. 20? Okay. Okay. Uh, winter. Well, while, while, 2024. Okay. Well, while, while Kwani is, is flexing her, her, her freedom to work out, um, another individual is flexing a little bit of freedom these days. Ah, you got that. You got that. You got that. Oh, our, yeah. good friend, what you did there. our good friend, in it, formerly known as Ennis Cantor, is now known as Ennis Cantor Freedom. It is official. Uh, he's got his U.S. citizenship. He's got his name changed. And um, it's been interesting to, to see him kind of do the, the TV circuit and, and, and talk about, you know, just some of the you know, things that are going on with, with his desire for the name change and what's behind it. And I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of I got mixed feelings about it. I mean, I, I like the fact that that Ennis is really uh, he's pushing for, you know, lots of social justice issues around the globe. But it, it, it feels it feels a little too commercialized, or is that just me? It's not just you. I think anytime someone is using your platform to speak up for marginalized groups of people, it should be deemed a good thing. But I can say, at least from what I've gathered on social media, that there is a lot of burnout when it comes to the way that he has approached his methods. And it has come to a point where every day he is in the news and on a different network. And at first, it again, seems as though it should be seen as a positive. But I think a lot of people have gotten to the point where they just see it as jokes. And I've seen a lot of jokes as a result after the name change. Congratulations to him on getting his citizenship. But I think people the point where they're no longer listening to the message because of the fact of who the messenger is. And there might need to be a, a shift in the way that his activism is continuing because he may not be able to reach the people that he's trying to if he continues this way. Well, I, I that was think, the nicest way I could put it. That was done. Well done, Kwani. Well done. You ought to be a politician moving like that. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I guess for, for me that's been a little bit tricky for me is that the issues that he raised back uh, that are going on in Turkey are legit. I mean, there, there's, there's without question uh, a lot of really bad things going on in his, in his native country. And I love the fact that he's amplifying those issues and putting them front and center for the world to see. That's a great thing to do. But one of the issues that I've, I've been having is that while America is a great country, there's no doubt about it. There are far more liberties and freedoms, there's that word again, here in the United States than there are in a lot of countries. Um, but I, I I'm, I'm a little bothered by the fact that it, it seems as though he, and I don't think it's a necessarily an intentional thing, but he makes the United States sound like it's a utopia. Now, compared to some of those other countries, there's no question that the U.S. is in much better shape on just about every issue you can imagine. But we got some issues, too. 
The United States has Absolutely. some problems. And, and I, I guess for, for me, the, the thing, I, I just wish there was a little bit more of a balance between recognizing the fact that being an American citizen is a great thing. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But let's not act as if we got all the world's problems figured out and we have everything and anything going right in this country because there are some things that we can get better at, things that we need to improve upon. And for me, it's, it's a little bit bothersome that I don't hear much talk about that. And, and again, I understand the perspective that he's coming from, which, which, and again, he's looking at, this is where I grew up in Turkey. This is what I experienced. This is what my people have experienced. This is what I'm enjoying in the United States as a professional athlete, uh, which in, that in itself puts you in a little bit of a different uh, category than a lot of American citizens. The, to me, the, the bigger point that I, I, I just wish was amplified a little bit more was that you know, things are great in, in this country, but we can do better. Just like things are, things can be better in Turkey. Things can be better in the United States as well. Uh, that's my only real issue with, with him at this point. Because, again, I love the fact that he has not allowed that energy that so many athletes had in the bubble as far as bringing about social change and things like that. He hasn't let that energy die down, which I'm disappointed in a lot of the guys that are in the bubble who you hardly hear anything, you hardly see anything that – speaks to the issues that they seem so passionate about when they were in a bubble that now all of a sudden you don't really see or sense or feel that same level of commitment and passion whereas Ennis Cantor excuse me Ennis Cantor freedom um has been able to keep that alive and I think in, in the long run that's a good thing I just wish that his message would be a little bit more encompassing of not just the issues that he sees overseas but also the issues here in his new country the United States of America I was going to say, that is a really good point. The fact that you mentioned being an athlete that comes with its own privileges. In it. But also, it, it is the double-edged sword of speaking up and being the only one that came out of the bubble that actually did keep that same energy. I talked to him when he was in the bubble for MC10, and he was very adamant about making sure that the message did, did not die down. And so you can't fault him. He was a man of his word in that way. But I do think there are levels of privilege that do need to be checked from every different level for him. Again, coming from a country where he does realize that the United States has a lot more to offer him as a citizen, but also noticing that you're in a different tax bracket. So that gives you a different amount of opportunity than it would someone else that lived in this country as well. So, again, there's just so many things that you could unpack with. This could be a whole podcast itself. But congratulations to him on the name change and becoming a citizen. That's exciting. That's exciting stuff. <laughs> it is. I mean, it, it really is exciting stuff. Uh, what's not all that exciting is what's happening in New York. Um, happening <laughs> with our good friend, Kimba Walker, who, uh, you know, for, for those who, who have just kind of followed him from a basketball career standpoint, Kimba's one of the just one of the one of the best college basketball players we've seen over the last 20 years. Uh, one, one at every level imaginable, uh, not as much in the NBA as he would have liked. And throughout his journey, Kimba, like everyone who has ever played in the NBA, there's going to come a point where you just ain't going to have it anymore. You're just not going to be that dude. And it feels like Kimba's kind of at that point, to the point now where not only has he seen his role with the New York Knicks diminished, he ain't even in the rotation anymore. Uh, Tom Thibodeau made that very clear. And when you start looking at the numbers, 
you understand why Thibodeau made that decision. And if you watch Kimball play, the eye test confirms why he's not in the rotation. And, and to me, it's it's a sad, sad, but real situation that Kimball's going through. And and again, I'm 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 hoping that, you know, Kimball can somehow find you know, that Al Horford fountain of youth and get back to being how he was, you know, a couple of years ago. But it's just not looking good for Kimba going forward with the Knicks or whatever team he's moved on to because the Knicks are, uh, they are open to, to trading him and understandably so. Um, but I just, it's, it's, it's a sad situation that Kimba's in right now. Yeah, it is really sad to think about. And especially because New York was home, is home for him, for him to have this homecoming and be able to play for his Team, but I think New York always also knew that there was a red flag with even making the decision to have him on the roster. He only played 43 games last season. There's so much in unknown about his knee to the point where you can't rely on him to be your starting point guard. So I think it was a wise decision on New York's part to make sure that they have someone that's younger to be able to fill in that role. But obviously it's devastating to come home, want to play for this team, and know that you physically can't and the coach coaching staff front office now sees that they're going to have to put you on the back burner for now, unless something were to change, which unfortunately it's not looking too great on that end. No. And and that to me is, is why this is such a sad situation because the things that have kept Kimba from being more of an impact player with the Knicks are the very things that kept him from not reaching his full potential when he was in Boston. Uh, his defense has never been a strong suit of his. It's actually worse this year than it has ever been, which is really, really saying a lot. And the difference between when he's on the floor with the Knicks, they're one of the worst teams defensively, versus when he's not on the floor with the Knicks, they're the best team in the league defensively. Yeah. That is a huge red flag for this is a guy that's probably – on his way, not just out of the rotation, but potentially out off that roster. But the the one thing I will say about Kimba is that even though his numbers seem to be down in just about every metric you can imagine, the one thing he's doing a better job with this year than he done is knock down three-pointers. He's shooting better than 41% from three-point range. And so to me, having that one skill set is going to allow the Knicks to have some legitimate offers for Kimba coming down the road. Now, one person, and I wrote about this, that certainly would be a great fit. How the hell they could pull this deal off, I don't know. I don't think they can pull it off, but I know that they would love a John Wall type of player. Uh, and, and again, he, like Kemba, he's dealing with a lot of health issues, so you don't really know where he's at. Uh, at one point, he told the Rockets, or the, him and the Rockets agreed that he would not be playing this year. Now they've rekindled conversations about him getting back on the floor, which is a smart move because nobody is going to trade for him not knowing what the hell they're getting. And so I think he knows that, the Rockets know that. And so there could be something there. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if a team like the Utah Jazz, for example, tried to make a play for Kimba because the Utah Jazz have a legitimate rim protector. So Kimba struggles defensively. You have someone who could potentially erase some of that. Uh, and, and again, they're a team that could use another guy who can knock down shots. And as I mentioned earlier, he's shooting better than 41% from three-point range. That's the type of team, type of situation that could potentially work for Kimba. But I, my my big thing is I'm, I'm hoping that something works out where Kimba gets in a situation where he can continue playing and good guys in the NBA. I mean, he got the damn good guy award not once but twice in his career. Uh, Four time All Star. I mean, there's there's really when you talk to people throughout the NBA, 
it's very hard to find somebody who's got a harsh word to say about Kimba Walker. Uh, and when you spend some time with him, you can see why. He's just he's one of those people, and there aren't a lot of guys in the NBA like this who you genuinely like, and as you try to figure out flaws with them from a personality standpoint, he really doesn't have any other than maybe he's too nice, which if that's yeah, what it's a red flag. <laughs> let me have that flaw. If my biggest flaw is right. being too nice. Um, mm-hmm. But on a very selfish basketball standpoint, it makes Celtics fans kind of have mixed emotions about that because you, I think they definitely like – you. I don't think you'll find Celtics fans who did not like Kimba Walker. But you flip that coin over, they're happy as hell that he ain't in Boston no more. Because if the Celtics were dealing with the same type of health issues that Kimba is dealing with now, which they did for the two years he was here – I don't think people will be as jovial about Kimba Walker and, and, and be happy for him uh, to, to have good things happen because he wouldn't be able to play as well as they would expect him to. So uh, the Celtics dodged a big-time bullet in trading him and in return getting Al Horford, who's been huge for them this year. Yeah, that's a really good point. And a thing that we've been harping on with Al Horford is that leadership that he brought to the team, brings to the team now. Kimba brought his own form of quiet leadership for that Celtics roster, but Al brings a completely different background that I think has worked with this team so far. So unfortunately it's sad that Kemba had to be the one that ends up leaving as a result. But I think that, as you mentioned, the Celtics did win in a sense, when you look at the way that it's all panning out right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, with, with Al, the one thing that he has done, you know, he's one of the league leaders in block shots. Before games played on Monday, he, Al ranked uh, like ninth in the NBA in block shots per game. His defense has been exceptional. He's definitely on the short list of potential all NBA defensive players for this season. And at the end of the day, bottom line, Al's play has helped this team get above the 500 mark, uh, which, again, gives him a chance to to make, you know, to, to be a good team. And they're going to, coming up, they've got a major, major test of just how good they are and where they are as a team. And our, our buddy Al is going to play a prominent role in that. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. His son, his other son. his See, Al, Al's other son is coming to the building, uh, better known to y'all as Joel Embiid. Uh, okay, I was curious you, as to where that one was at. That makes sense. When you start <laughs> looking at the way that Embiid has played throughout his career against when Al has been on another team, Al has been kind of sunning him quite a bit. Um, now, I will say this. The last couple of years, son got grown up. Son is a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more savvy. He trying to he dunk was. on dad. Exactly. He dunking on dad. He pinning dad stuff on the glass. Uh, he taking dad off the dribble. I don't know anything about that because my son, he ain't got that in his game yet. Wow. But anyway, I'm listening to this episode. I'm going to say this. Well, he is. He is. <laughs> but the thing, but I, I will say this, though. I'm looking forward to seeing how Al handles the Embiid matchup. But I'm also looking forward to seeing how the crowd is going to be because this is really, yes. you know, this is one of those games that I'm fully anticipating will have a very playoff-like feel about it because of the opponent. You got Doc Rivers coming back and Doc Rivers and family, uh, you know, brother, son-in-law's on the team. You got Al with his son, Joel Embiid coming back. Reunion. Exactly. It's like a big family reunion. Minus a potato salad and, and, and the cornbread and the barbecue right. ribs. Um, <laughs> which now you got me thinking food, which I don't want to do. But, but seriously, though, what do you think about Embiid in, in this game? Like, how do you think he's going to handle – 
you know, just being back, you know, playing against a, a team that has kind of had his number for a bit, but he seems to be kind of changing the tide a little bit. I think Embiid will be more motivated than he usually is in a regular season because when he comes to Boston, he always plays to that level. He knows the crowd is going to come for him. If the crowd is as rowdy, I, I went to a, a game what, two weeks ago and it didn't seem as rowdy as it used to be. Granted, they were playing the Rockets, but I do imagine that the crowd there, right? <laughs> the crowd there, I think, would be a little more enthusiastic and, and show Embiid where he's playing. I think another part of this matchup, which is interesting, is just the fact that, granted, it's not in Philly, but Al did play for that team, so he knows a little bit more about how to defend Embiid. And I think that's going to bring a different level to the game because. This is actually this is the first time he's playing against Embiid since being in Philly. So I'm very interested in that specific matchup, father against son, as we were calling it, because I think them playing together is going to bring a different level of competition, especially the way that Al left Philly wasn't the greatest way. It wasn't his fault, but it just clearly wasn't a good fit for both sides. And now I think both of them have a little bit to prove. Both sides have a little to prove when it comes to how they're going to receive Al Horford at his home arena, really. Right, right. And and, and let's not forget about Uncle Ime, uh, who spent some yes. time in Philly. Uh, <laughs> yes, so, that's so, good point. so the, a, again, this this well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing just how some of that kind of you know background institutional knowledge is gonna mm-hmm. play out because Embiid is a load. I mean, last season he was easily top three, top five MVP candidate. And although he has been out with with you know different ailments, you know, you know, COVID and things of that nature. He's still one of the most dominant big men in the NBA. And, and again, I think he's still, even though his numbers would suggest that he's back in tip-top shape for him, I still think he's got levels that he's working towards getting back to. Uh, and if you're the Celtics, you're going to have your hands full. You're going to need Al Horford to be you know, at his best. You're going to need Ennis Cantor freedom to play uh, free and, and dominate when he gets a chance to get on the floor. Uh, it would be nice to get a Rob Williams the third side. Uh, so there, there's so many different dynamics about this game. Uh, and we need to know what we really need. Sorry, before you make your clever transition, Grant Williams, did you see stat muse on Twitter a few days ago and they posted Grant Williams stats and they used a photo of a graphic of Steph Curry. So we're going to need to see a lot of that in that Sixers game as well. That Steph Curry like shooting from Grant. Well, Grant, Grant, listen, Grant is, you know, I believe he's the only guy in the NBA that's shooting better than 50% from the field, 40% from three-point range, and 90% from the the line. So Grant Williams is getting it done. And we'll talk a little bit more about Grant a little bit later. But, I mean, there's no question. He's one of those guys that if the Celtics are going to beat Philly, they're going to need him to to do some things. Because at some point, he's going to be – at some point, he needs to make Embiid defend him. And, and and we'll we'll get more into Grant a little bit later. Um, but before we do that, the one guy to be talking that much about on game day is Ben Simmons. If you're Jason Tatum, you're just like. Deep sigh of relief. Because Tatum, Ben Simmons guards Jason Tatum as well as anyone in the NBA. Uh, ben Simmons is one of the few guys that has the length. To, to stick with Tatum has the lateral quickness, uh, can close out, can can stick with Tatum when he drives to the basket. He is a very tough defender on Jason Tatum. And for you, Jason Tatum, to come into this game and not have to worry about a nanosecond of that dude guarding you, boom. Right. You are good. It makes it easier. 
It makes but it, it's an unfair. I think it's unfair to basketball fans when we're still figuring out, trying to figure out what this saga is going to end up looking like for him. And the fact that he's not, whenever you hear Phillies in town, you want to see them at their best. And the fact that mm-hmm. Ben Simmons isn't playing, I think just adds a little disappointment when you realize that it could be a better, a little better of a matchup to have everyone at full strength, but mm-hmm. it's not the biggest of deals. We don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons. So no, I don't <laughs> think Ben Simmons knows what's going on with Ben he Simmons. He has no clue. Other than the fact that he knows that the, that his money is starting to get kind of funny. Mm-hmm. The Sixers are getting funny with his it's money. Cause it, it, yeah. And and look, escrow, that ain't gonna pay that ain't gonna pay your rent. That money in escrow ain't gonna pay your rent. That money in escrow I mean, ain't gonna get is- you that no, it's not gonna get you that new car. We're recording on a giving Tuesday and I just Sixers should give that money to media members. <laughs> oh, I thought you were about to say give that to Ben. I was gonna be like, hell no. That's Hell funny. No. no, I was going completely left with that one. The money has to go somewhere. I mean, I'm just wow. saying. I mean, he's like, I'm here. <laughs> Y'all can cut me the check any day. Well, <laughs> For a million dollars a day, you can pour a girl living in Boston. <laughs> which is, which ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. Um, I'll tell you what, though. We're, we're, and I, because I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about Ben Simmons because he's not going to play. Uh, Talk but about every episode, so I feel like we have to. We have to. We have to. We, we, it's, it's almost like he's a he's like a low-key sponsor without realizing he's a sponsor. <laughs> this um, episode is brought to you by Ben God, Simmons. The Ben Simmons drama saga continues. <laughs> episode 46. No, he um the what we, we we've already talked about Al Horford and 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 the bigs and what they're gonna do with Joel. Are there any other matchups that you're looking forward to seeing in this game? Coaching, <laughs> but that's yeah. not fair because Doc why? why is that not fair? Because you can't compare a championship winning coach, even though he has not been at that level thus far yet, um, with Philly at least. But you can't compare him to a first year NBA coach who happened to study under him. So I think that's a good thing under that organization. But I don't know. I just I'm after seeing the way Ime played against. Popovich, well, coached again. I do obviously the Celtics should have won that game. So it was interesting to see him be close enough to one of the greatest coaches in the NBA. So if he can stay at that coaching caliber and continue the momentum from that game despite the loss, maybe we'll have a, a cool coaching matchup on our hands as well. Well, I, I'm I, I think we will. I mean, I, I think Ime is one of those guys that there's certain coaches that I think he steps his coaching game up against. Yeah, like, okay, that makes sense. I felt, I, felt he, I felt he was a little bit more locked in against the Spurs than he normally is. Absolutely. That's why I was disappointed in that loss because they, at that point, you should have just won. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I, I, I do think – yeah, but I, I do think that he'll, he'll step his game up with, with Doc on that other sideline. But the matchup I want to see is Jalen Brown against the other Curry. Because they're going to be oh. matched up against each other. And I just yeah. – I have this feeling that Jalen – this is going to be one of those 35-point games mm-hmm. for Jalen. I feel I 35 in Jalen's future. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to channel my inner Sherrod Stradamus for this one and, and, and put that <laughs> out there. Um, I, I just think that's a matchup that Jalen should absolutely dominate. That Steph Curry, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's got that – he's a great shooter. Don't give me – or excuse me, 
you know, the other Curry. Um, great shooter, but he's kind of on that but mouse in the house. Also coming off that loss to his brother. Yeah, yeah. But he's, oh, he's, he's on a small side. So I, I'm yeah. looking for Jalen to use – Use his size, use his length, and just raise up and knock down shots. Uh, I'm looking forward to that big time. And you know what else I'm looking forward to, Kwani? What? Talking about my folks at betonline.ag. <laughs> They've got you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before. With football season continues, the march to the playoffs. And the Pats, look at Mac Jones looking like that dude. That dude, <laughs> killing it. Bet Online is killing it as well. And they remain your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. Basketball, football, hockey, boxing, UFC, you name it, they got it. You've got also have your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazingly awesome opportunities that are available for you for this season. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the games start. And that being said, we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to go back to the Toronto game, Celtics last okay. game. Good win. Mm-hmm. Um, good win. Yep. Not so good Tatum. Um, <laughs> struggled with his shot again, but he had a, he had a lot of assists. What, I mean, which do you prefer? Um, lots of assists Tatum or lots of points Tatum? I don't think Tatum appreciates lots, lots of assists Tatum, but I <laughs> – <laughs> I think I think yeah I think I'm gonna go with assists because we know he's a scorer and we've talked about the leadership that he needs to be able to step into as a part of being a star for this team and I think as you we've talked about before being a leader comes with empowering your teammates to play well if he's able to dish out dimes to players that are hot on a given night then that's going to help the Celtics look good on a regular basis because he's not always going to have a great shooting night so if he can figure out how to be able to give those assists to his mates when he's not on such a hot streak and then combine that with his shooting game that's what's going to not only make him a well-rounded player but help him be a better leader for this team so I think Whenever he's not having these hot streaks, he needs to be tapping into how can I help everybody else on this team get better so that I'm fulfilling the leadership like needs that this team needs at the moment. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I think Tatum, would, I mean, and, and again, we, we've talked ad nauseum about Jason Tatum and leadership. Uh, it's going to be an issue uh, all season long that will be talked about. And I, I do think that he is making some incremental steps in the right direction when it comes to leadership, but certainly the one thing that he's, I think he's more aware that he needs to do a better job of, and that is make the guys around him better. And the one guy who I, I think, well, if, if there was like a most improved Celtic player, uh, it would be Grant Williams. Uh, he's been the one guy that has been appreciably significantly better than what we saw last year. And Tatum obviously has something to do with that. But in that Toronto game, when Tatum was struggling, you know, Grant had 15 points, five boards, a steal, a block, 
had a, a plus 11 or 12 plus minus when he was on the floor. But more telling is what his body of work this season looks like. 51.4% shooting from the field, 43.1% shooting from three-point range, 90.5% from the free throw line, 50-40-90, Grant freaking Williams. And you know what makes it even more awesome? It's his birthday! Mm-hmm. Tuesday is his birthday. It was his birthday, at least, by the time people are listening. So... I'm curious as to what has been motivating for him this season. (laughs) Well, this is what I think motivated him. I think Grant has been motivated by the fact that he knew with the moves that the Celtics were making, that if he came back as that dude we saw last year, he ain't playing. He might, he, he may be traded. He might be on his way out of the league potentially. And so I give him a lot of credit for dedicating himself from a physical standpoint to get in better shape. And also from a mental standpoint, and again, we, we talk about this as if it's easy, um, but the concept is easy. Execution, that's another story. But make open shots. You're in the, you have two dynamic scores in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Their presence is going to create space for you to make open shots. That's literally all Grant Williams is doing out there right now. He's making open shots. And at some point, teams are going to start respecting his shot. And when they do, that's when Grant has to go to plan B, which really most times was plan A, which is get the damn ball of Jason. Get the damn ball of Jalen. When that happens, now all of a sudden, defenses are like, what are we going to do? We, we kind of have to respect Grant. But damn, that means we can't give as much attention to Jalen and Jason as we want to. So now all of a sudden you have created a, a a monster that creates major matchup problems for teams. And Grant, I give him credit. He's out there just knocking down open shots. And again, we talk about it all the time, but players, it's a lot easier said than done to do that. And, and I give Grant a lot of credit. He is doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Knock down open shots, defend, get some rebounds. That's it. <laughs> and but here's but here's the interesting thing about this on the Garden Report after uh, the, the win over Toronto. Should we consider having him in that starting lineup instead of Al? And and, and again, here's here's the and, and let me just kind of go through the thought with that. Actually, you no. know what? I'm not going to go through the thought with that. <laughs> I'm going to let you answer the damn question, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts. I'm just oh, oh I I don't I no actually I don't understand it. I think Grant is doing what the team needs from him right now. The similar to the way that when Schroeder was starting and mentioned how it's better that he's come off the bench with that second unit and really just leading them. I think the same goes for Grab Dalen Brown when it comes to spring. Obviously, Grant brings a lot more to it than just that, but I think having him on that second unit is actually beneficial so that you're not talking. You're starting off strong everyone's gassed out because the second it hasn't even been able to, you know, really work well together. Not, And I think Al obviously would work in that second unit, but I do like him in the starting lineup for this team, especially with Jalen and Jalen and Jalen and Jason together. <laughs> I think has that versus having three scores there right. and then chaos may ensue but it's I think it's just 
good to see Jalen and Jason's game. Are you going? Is Grant going to need to come off the bench for that? Figure out the rotation from there. When you have all of your best eggs, that could be a little risky for the Celtics at this point, at least in the season. Well, I, I like the fact that when he does come into the game, he's usually playing with one of those two guys and not both. And, and, and that allows, I, I think, him to really get into a flow, get into a rhythm. And to be very frank with you, I, I love the fact that he is making the most of the role that he's being given to play right now. I, I'm, I'm, it's to me, I, I feel almost superstitious about Grant Williams now. Like just the idea of tweaking what he does, putting him in a different role right now. I almost feel as though, you know, it's it's like it's like playing. You know, you've got all the pieces perfectly aligned and. What is that game called? Is it Jumanji? Where you've got the where you can take the pieces out? Tetris. Tetris? No. Not Tetris. Jenga. Yes, Jenga. Jenga. That's the game I'm thinking <laughs> of. I feel like that about Grant. Because right now, everything is aligned perfectly. Nothing, everything is cool. He's doing his thing. And if I try to even tweak or touch anything that he's doing right now, the whole damn thing could fall apart. And I don't want that. Uh, so and, and and let's be honest with Al Horford, you know the only thing that Al has really I, I think done not so great a job with is knocking down threes. He's shooting around twenty eight percent, which is like the worst he's ever shot from three point range. And so I, to me, the law of averages says that Al's going to go on a hot streak and and shoot in a forty fifty uh, percent range from three point range over a, a period of time and get kind of back into that low to mid thirties, which is where he typically shoots. But I just love the, the stuff that Al's given that first unit. I wish he played a, a, a couple minutes less. Like, I'd love to see him in that 20 to 25-minute range, whereas now he's usually in the mid to high 20s. Um, but I, I think the Celtics right now are slowly but surely kind of coming together with the type of eight, nine-man rotation that I think that they're going to be comfortable with. And Grant, you know, he has done everything he can to solidify his role with this team. And then to his credit, he is playing really good basketball, which, again, that hasn't always been the case when we talked about Grant Williams. Uh, It is now, though. And so, again, well, I mean, Grant is getting it done. Well done, Grant. And happy birthday to Grant Williams. Yeah. Young fella. Not so young anymore, but that's all right. That's all right. He's balling. Balling yeah. out. And even after, yeah, you know, right. And even, and obviously they're looking to build off the Toronto win with the Sixers coming to town on Wednesday. And then they head out west uh, where they will see Utah, Portland, the Lakers, Clippers, and Phoenix. Boom, 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 boom. That's a tough, that's a tough road ahead. For All those teams are either solid top-tier playoff teams or at worst on the fringe. And Portland is probably the worst of that bunch. And, and that's a team that, you know, you, you can't take them lightly because they again they can do some things and cause some problems for you if you're not careful. So uh shout out to and my boy Chauncey Yeah. So, so they, they just have the overall. Right. So, I mean, the Celtics have a pretty tough road ahead for them. I mean, what, what are your thoughts about them heading out on this West Coast trip? I mean, are, are they where you would ideally like them to be at this point in terms of the way they're playing as they embark on really one of the toughest stretches that they're going to have all season? I think they're getting to a point where they're more consistent than we saw at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they, they've had some hiccups over the last few games. But I think, one, seeing how they play against the Sixers team will be – obviously a determining factor as to how that road trip trip out West is going to look. So I'm just very curious as to one, how they play against Philly and then how they're able to sustain momentum 
going west because you're trying like you mentioned even if portland may not be the best of teams you're still on the road you're traveling up and down the west coast you're gonna gas at one point so just staying consistent despite being on the road i mean there was a, a stretch where they'd only win on the road so now they need to tap back into whatever that was and and really harnessed whatever things that they've been doing over these last few games to stay consistent because that road trip I think is gonna really just be a catapult for the end you know the rest of the season but also help them figure out what their identity is on the road and that's gonna be very going to play the Lakers a franchise story franchise that's gonna be probably one of the more interesting matchups and it's just gonna be a hard road trip so they have to be mentally and physically prepared to play all those games and be successful in at least 50% of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the thing, the thing about it is that when the schedule came out, I, I looked at this portion as like the first real major speed bump for this team, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I looked at all of those teams as being very, either very talented in a very broad general sense or pretty, you know, pretty good in their own building. Uh, Utah has got, you know, one of the great rim protectors in the game of Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, all-star on the wing, you know, Portland, uh, they they've they got that Liller guy, and he is going. He's I mean, look. Soon as he enters, soon as he steps out of his car at at the arena, he's in his reign. Uh, he's that good, you know. And, and CJ McCollum is a hell of a player as, as well in his own right. And you better believe the Lakers ain't forget about that ass whooping that the Celtics put on them at the TD Garden. Absolutely so they not. Are going to be, they they will be they will be a little hype for that one for sure. And the Clippers, I think, are always going to be tough just because of just how that team is constructed. And, to, you know, you cap it off against the best team in the damn NBA, Phoenix Suns, a uh, team that, like, literally has not lost in weeks. Uh, they're mm-hmm. that damn good. So this is going to be a really, really, really tough trip for, for the Celtics if they're going to have any shot at just being able to build off of what we've seen really because what you're talking about coin it seems like the last two two and a half weeks we've seen the best a better version of the Celtics and we're going to mm-hmm. need to see an even better version than that version if they're going to have success in these five games out west now mm-hmm. when we talk about out west uh we, we mentioned the Lakers and uh their, their star player LeBron James uh was, huh. was making headlines recently and we ain't talking about the you know, the, the the back and forth between him and our good friend Ennis Cantor Freedom. Whew. We're talking about that little uh, kerfuffle that he got into in Detroit uh, a couple weeks back with uh, Isaiah Stewart, who, yeah. look, Isaiah Stewart is about that life. And they the Lakers and the Pistons recently played uh, the first game against each other since that against, kerfuffle. Yeah. Yep. And uh, like most sequels, funny, this was a dud. Yeah. No fights, no fists thrown, no verbals, no interaction at all between them. And I don't know. Just boo from the fans. Because that's kind of what I was expecting. But, but LeBron was doing LeBron like things. I mean, clearly he he was absolutely in. And I need to send a damn message tonight mode. And the Lakers won that game, uh, you know, pretty, you know, pretty comfortably for the most part. Never were really, really threatened. Uh, but. Again, like like most sequels, that one was a dud, and I'm just glad they were able to have that game soon after the incident, so that they can be done with it now. It like we're not gonna. I, I know Isaiah Stewart said after uh, that he's not gonna be talking about it anymore. Well, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's easy. 
easier to say that now when you you see them again until next season. Because it's not like both of y'all are gonna be in the damn NBA finals. So we ain't gotta worry about that. Or even um, the playoffs. So exactly, Detroit. Um, yeah. So, but we talked about we talk, we we mentioned a little bit earlier. We talked about Golden State and, and, and excuse me, we talked about Phoenix, but they're mm-hmm. actually hosting Golden State, who officially has the the best record. And I mean, again, mm-hmm. you're talking about two juggernauts this year. I mean, they have been head and shoulders above everyone in yep. the NBA. And just who is going to get that tonight? Ah. I don't know. Yeah. After watching, I love the point in the hot seat. It's, it, you know, just no, crunch. I, I, I just, just no, think about I'll it as, as some, some crunches. Just work it out. I'll give it, work it out. I'm, I'm giving it to the Warriors. I'm going to give it to Steph Curry after watching that game against Philly and against his brother. I know one of the biggest competitions we usually see from athletes is when they're playing against a family member or something. Mm. And just to see how Curry was able to tap in at that final second knowing he did more over his brother and to shoot that final not to get over 20 to 25 points. But I think he's going to have that. Not It's not his brother, but it's going to be that similar mentality of, all right, this is the game where I need to tap in and, and win. And it's not necessarily him even needing to prove anything, but watching the way that the Warriors have been underrated this season, people are still like, oh, yeah, Steph Curry's back. But I don't think they understand like the Warriors are, good. they're good again. So I think Steph Curry will want to prove to the people that haven't been watching as closely that they're just as good, if not better, than Phoenix. And that's why I'll give it to the Warriors behind Steph Curry's very high-scoring game. No predictions, well, but a high-scoring game. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I agree the Warriors are good, um, but I got to go Suns. I got to go Phoenix. And one, the game is in Phoenix. Two, Chris Paul is a little bit different than Steph's big bro. Uh, no, I know. No, I didn't. Different. Yeah, I didn't mean like that. And, I just mean the the ment- the way Steph can mentally just tap his personas on the line, yeah. essentially. Well, I I will say this. Though. I'm gonna give it to Phoenix though because I just think Phoenix is as mentally tough as Golden State is, and they're at home. To me, that's going to be the. That's why I'm giving them the edge because I, I do believe these are the two best teams in the Western Conference right now. They all they both have size, they have athleticism, they have experience. They've got guys who have won a lot of games. And you know, this mm-hmm. the Suns, I, I love the fact that Phoenix did not allow last season to just they didn't have that that hangover that a lot of teams have when they get yeah. deep into the playoffs yeah. and they bring most of the band back where they just kind of ease into the season and maybe try to pick it up near the end. Phoenix was just like, forget that. Yeah, yeah we lost like two of our first three. But they have been balling ever since. And, the, again, I, mm-hmm. I credit to Monty Williams for able to really get his guys to lock in. Credit to James Jones for not shaking up the the the, the you know the formula, uh, the, the GM of, of the Suns. And, and again, I, I just think Phoenix right now is going to find a way to win that game. And I think about Devin Booker. I think about Paul. I, I mean, I think about our, our good friend Jay Crowder. Uh, who seems yeah. he, he seems to be like Mr. Midas touch because you know he he's in Miami they get to the finals he leaves and goes to Phoenix they get to the damn finals it's like damn again why did he have that energy when he was in Boston though I I never saw that in Boston Jay was a good player in Boston <laughs> I did not think he impacted success the way he started. had since he left yeah, yeah. other than other than that 
Yeah, other than that 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 time in Cleveland, Jay's been been pretty productive pretty much everywhere he's been um since leaving Boston. So they, they, I just think that Phoenix Suns, they've got so many things that make them a tough out. Uh, I mean, again, this game isn't going to decide who's going to win the NBA championship, but it's going to be a significant step in that direction because Phoenix is probably going to have to outperform Golden State to have the best record in the Western Conference. And that home court, and I, I do believe if these two met, met in the playoffs, which at this point looks like it would be the conference finals, home court yeah. is going to be a difference. I, I, I normally I don't think it's that big a deal, but for these two teams, I think it would be the difference maker because I think on so many levels there's a lot of parity between them and every little advantage, like having a, a you know a room or just a stadium full of your people in a game mm-hmm. seven, yeah, that could be the difference between them getting to back to the NBA Finals or not. I think so. I, I always agree with Notion because the talent will be on the floor, but who is the- what is the sound that's around you? We talk about the TD Garden all the time. It could be the Rockets, the Sixers, whatever their opponent is. When you're coming into this arena, you know as a player it's been said that it changes the way you approach a game when you're the opponent and you know that everyone's rooting against you. So I agree with that, and I would love to see that as a Western Conference Finals because those two teams I think would be really good seven games <laughs> absolutely absolutely and and and, and I, I would damn sure do what i could to be there for that one um because <laughs> those two cities right Sherrod approved. yeah that's true it's I good do. cities as well that's a good point yeah good cities speaking of good good stuff Kwani, what you got coming up on nbc 10 i know you always got some good stuff coming what you got coming girl yeah the latest 10 questions was with ashley wagner former of Olympian and bronze medalist, three-time world, excuse me, national champion, um, really a Hall of Famer when you talk Badass. about you know, yeah, a figure skating. Yeah, exactly. So I interviewed her, talked about her career. She's actually dusting off her skates, as she told me, and going to be performing in Norwood on Saturday at the Boston, the Skating Club of Boston, first time since retiring. So the money's going to and to a retired Olympian get back on the ice, I think will be exciting. So you can head over to NBC 10 Boston and check out that. And that latest on 10 questions, at least. Nice. Nice. Uh, I, I got a piece out now just about Kimber Walker and his situation in New York and just how that's kind of deteriorated. Uh, and just looking at, you know, kind of behind the numbers at how he got here and why the Knicks decision to take him out of the rotation just makes good basketball sense. Uh, I'll have a couple of pieces for Ebony coming as well. And obviously, you know, I'll be on the Garden Report post-game show with Jimmy Toscano, Joe Sway, Bobby Manning, John Zanis, and we'll, we'll, we'll flap our gums and, and talk about the Celtics, whether they surge ahead and play amazingly awesome basketball or if they suck. We're still talking about them. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Um, we'll see. I, I think, But I do think they will I – th- I believe they will beat the Sixers. I do. I just, I, I just think that they're ready. They're ready for that. They're ready for that game. Uh, Jason Tatum does not have to worry about Ben Simmons coming off a bad game. I could see him and Jalen each going for thirty. I mean, that's what I'm gonna do. Each of them will have at least thirty points in this game. All right, it's at in the books. Thirty points. Thirty points each. Absolutely. I think Jalen will have. I think Jalen will have thirty-five. I think Tatum will have like thirty-two. And I'm okay. cool with that. Put that down. As there always, we have to give go. a shout out to our sponsor, 
once more betonline.ag if you code already use cl nice 50 for that signing there's so many games to bet on including the Sixers game coming up hang on it see what your money your words are worth at least and let us know if you win anything <laughs> absolutely I, I got some college football picks that uh, I'm, I'm ruminating oh, over God. now to see where I'm going to go with Hopefully that. Hopefully it's not uh, Syracuse. Oh, we're done. In every sense of the word, we're done. Um, the, team, the, team that, the, the team that's actually been doing well for me in college football this year was Cincinnati. Uh, I jumped on them. Oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah. yeah. Like when they played Notre Dame, and I I, I got, in, got some action on that one. I've been rolling with them ever since. So uh, shout okay. out to the Bearcats. Your boy loves you. connection. <laughs> Making him that money. That's well, the connection, Kwani. Our, our pod, yeah. I know. That's all about it's all about the money. Episode 52 in the books. The Vitali Potapenko edition is done. We didn't even talk about him. We were supposed to have a whole 10 minutes gated to his legacy, but I guess not. Not today. Maybe next episode. He just got 10 seconds. We're good. <laughs> well, for Ace Rob Blakely, I'm Kwani A. Lunas. Thank you to the A-List podcast. Be back here next week.